0: Well, good morning, White Oak. It's good to see each of you here this morning as we are now officially in summer, right? I mean, that's what the calendar says. and, And so that means monsoons are over, dryness comes, and all those other kinds of things. No, it's going to be crazy continuing on. But in the midst of this crazy wet spring and summer already, I'm way behind on my home projects. How many of you are behind on your home projects? Yeah. I mean, I love the do it yourself places. I have a card for Lowe's. I have a card for Home Depot. I have a card for Ace. I have a card for a couple of our hometown places. And uh, I, I just love that idea of doing your, yourself. Shout out real quickly for me your favorite place to help you with do it yourself stuff. One, two, three. Well, that was exciting. Try it one more time. Shout out to your favorite place for do-it-yourself. There you go. You heard all the commercials today, right? I remember a few years ago, Home Depot had this particular campaign that they were going through with their slogan. And they said very simply that uh, you can do it, we can help. You remember when they used those words and it ended up that it was very similar to... Another hardware store, very small mom-and-pop place, and that got exciting anyway. By saying that, Home Depot, though, positioned themselves as the resource and training center for millions. And when you look at their worth today, while their message was clear, we're here to help you accomplish your unique project. Today, they're a $109 billion revenue store, and they're number 23 on the Fortune 500 list. And all they do is help you do the things you're supposed to do at home. Isn't that crazy? And that's amazing. But here's the reality. That's the mission of the church. The mission of the church is to help you do what God has called you to do. How he's built you. How he's planned for you to be at work. And so three weeks ago, we started this four series. F-O-R. R, four, Because we wanted to answer the question for people, what do we want to be known for? As White Oak Christian Church, what do we want to be known for? So many times the church is defined only by the things that that it is against. And so we've said three things so far. we said, first of all, we're for our community. We're for the people and the businesses and the schools that are in our communities. We want this community to thrive because we live in this community. And the reason we're for the community, though, is because God is for the community. You look at John 3.16, it's very obvious that God says, for, or excuse me, the word there says, for God so loved the world. It doesn't say God just loves some or a little bit or maybe this town over here, but it says God loved the world. So God is for the community in which we live. And we want to be aware of that. Two weeks ago, we said God is, we are for saying yes. And when we talked about this idea of saying yes, we said in essence that we're for you, that God is for you. And Jesus proves that God is for you by the fact that he came from heaven to offer forgiveness and eternal life. And so we challenge people to consider Jesus. And last week, Nathan and I talked about a mindset that we want to have together as a church as in order to respond to people who have said no to Jesus, no to the church, no to relationship oftentimes with Christians. And our response would show the community that we are for them and more importantly, show them that they're Heavenly Fathers for them too. And so we said last week, we're for common ground. For common ground. That we want to build around those common relationships. And one of the cool things about being in this school and Ross School is the ability to do things with the Ross School system. And one of the amazing things about the new building that's coming along is that we're going to have spaces in that building that will allow people to connect and if you haven't seen, uh, this last week, I know I'm jumping the gun, That's the way life goes, but we're in the midst of our conversation with our design-build company, and they've already given us a couple of concept ideas, and so you can see that. If you uh, give us your email address, you can get my weekly email. It's called in Focus. You just go to our website, thewocc.com, and you can sign up for our, we- our newsletter every week. On that, I release some of our early concept drawings of what that building might look like. Again, they're concepts, so they're a long ways from being cast in concrete and stone. But it is amazing what, we, what we're looking at to put there on, uh, on the road as you go north of the city here, north of this area. We're putting that into our design. And Dar- Darren next week is going to talk more about our dreams and some of the things that we are hoping to do over the next couple of years. Did you know that the church is the largest and, and the most effective volunteer mobilizer in the entire world? that really the whole work of the church is done by volunteers as they reach out into their community. I mean, no other organization comes even close. Daily, there are people who are involved in community organizations, caring for people, serving on the streets, looking for ways to change the world as volunteers. In fact, if you add up the number of volunteers in the next 10 largest national organizations, they still don't even come close to what the church does on a weekly basis. In fact, this passed a couple of weeks ago, and we did our summer Bible camp, mega sports camp, and roar at Coleraine Campus too. Just that week alone, we had 330 volunteers, and they put in 5,820 hours. I mean, let's just say thank you to our children's volunteers for summer Bible <laughs> camp. Can you do that? Yeah. Let's look around the room. How many of you served in Summer Bible Camp, Mega Sports Camp this year? Thank you, thank you, thank you. 5,820 hours just for that week, people donated to White Oak Christian Church. Thanks, Christy and Karen. Your team did some awesome, amazing things. And it's exciting to be a part of God's kingdom, the church. It's exciting to watch what God does in and through us, because we have this calling from God that says we are to reach deeply into our community. We, we want to pour out the fullness of Jesus into people where they live, where they work, and where they play. And you are amazingly designed by God. And we want to help you to do what God has called you to do. In order to do that, we have to move. We have to move forward is the word that we would use there. That's our big idea today, that we are for more. We have to move, and we are for more. It's not necessarily more numbers, but it is for more for you, for what God wants to do in your life. Too often the church functions in a we-can-do-it-you-can-help approach. Imagine. Imagine what happens when we realize that the truth is you can do it, and we can help as a church See, that's that's what Jesus taught us all the way along. That's what the Apostle Paul teaches us all the way along. That That's what the church is, is this amazing mobilizer of people to reach the world. Here's, here's what it looks like. We're going to be building an all-of-life approach to ministry here at White Oak over these next couple of years. You see, most ministry happens where you live, where you work, or where you play. It's not what happens here on Sunday morning, which is incredibly, incredibly important. It's not what happens on Wednesday night in our fusion time. It's not what happens even in summer Bible camp. It is what happens where you live, where you work, and where you play. Because that's where your sweet spot of your gifts and your passions and your burdens and God-developed life experiences come in contact with folks. And so we want to develop a be do-go kind of mentality. That I want to be the person God wants me to be. Uh, I, I want to do the things that help me build up and do what God wants me to be so that I can go and be who God wants me to be. And, and that you would be as excited about going into the community as you are about attracting and accumulating people to White Oak. Jesus said something remarkable. Just before he ascended into heaven, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8 he said these words are on the screen it says very simply this but you will receive power when the holy spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in jerusalem in judea in samaria and in to all the ends of the earth now now how would that happen because jesus is speaking here to 11 guys He's speaking to 11 guys who were just plain, ordinary men who just 40 days before that were scared spitless. I mean, they were in hiding. They were not sure what was happening. The world had totally changed when Jesus died. And he's standing before them 40 days later saying, you are going to be my witnesses. You are going to be the one who tells people all about me and about my mission. For some time, though, they just stayed in one place. They, they stayed in Jerusalem. Oh, yeah, they spoke the message, but go to all the world? Even to Samaria, a country just a little bit north of where Jerusalem is? No way. wasn't happening. Well, that kind of strategy is not going to reach the world. But something happened. Something changed. And then just 30 or so years later, we read in the book of 2 Timothy, these words that the Apostle Paul writes, Paul, who is this amazing enemy of the church early on, who meets Jesus in a spectacular way along the road, changes everything for Paul's life, and then he becomes a missionary for Jesus. And he's speaking to churches and building churches all around the Mediterranean Sea. Here's what Paul says in 2 Timothy. He says this, You've heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. You see, the growth in the kingdom of God has always been hinged on this principle that true followers of Jesus reproduce themselves. They multiply and they move and there is more. Paul taught Timothy. Then Timothy shares with a trustworthy person who is able to teach others. And so you have Paul to Timothy Timothy to others, others to others. You have four we We're used to just have one person. Because of this idea of telling the message over and over and over again, if every believer followed this pattern, the church could reach the world in one generation. Just telling a neighbor and having a neighbor join in and walk along that same path with Jesus. One generation, 8 billion people would have heard the word of God. Well, that that's a big challenge as we think about that. And I, and I want to show you how this happened in the first century. And, and as I go along, I want to talk about how we do that today. Because we are for more. We want to equip you to do what God wants to do and intends to do in your life. And we want you to do it in the power of the Holy Spirit. So take your Bibles, if you brought one, or do that electronically. Maybe you have a Bible app on your phone. And I want you to turn to the book of Ephesians today. The book of Ephesians. It's in the New Testament. It's written about, it's towards the end of your Bible if you have a paper Bible. And and it is written by the Apostle Paul. As he is talking to people in the city of Ephesus, which is in the area of Turkey today, he's talking to them about what God has done in their lives. Because you see, these are brand new Christians. These are people who don't have a Bible. And so he's giving them instructions and reminding them this is how you get to live because you're a follower of Jesus. In Ephesians, Paul gives us a glimpse of how the church is to mobilize and to multiply. When you think about the mission to reach the world, you just get overwhelmed with the amount of work that it would take. All the effort that you have to expend. It'd be exhausting. And Paul faced that same thing here in Ephesians. But look at what he writes in the first chapter of Ephesians. Verse 22 and 23 says this, God has put all things under the authority of Christ. He's made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. And the church is his body is made full and complete by Christ, who fills all things everywhere with himself. You see, Paul says here that it's not about your effort to exhaustion. What he says is what you need more of is Jesus. You need more Jesus. Only Jesus can fill everything in every way. Because we're chosen to express His fullness to the world today. Man, it is amazing as the Holy Spirit's coming into your life as He's empowering you, the opportunities that you get to reach and to talk to others. We want to express His fullness into every corner of culture, into every sphere of society. You see, it doesn't say that Jesus is in everything. It says he fills everything. Jesus is not in a concrete block. Jesus is not in the stage here. Jesus is not inanimate. Some people believe, you know, God's everywhere, in everything. Uh, That's not what the scripture says. What it says is he fills everything. And the only way that he does that is as we fill everything. So you're his person at work. You're his person at play. You're his person where you live. And you begin to fill every place with Jesus. Everywhere you go, the church goes. Because you are the church. This past week, I met with leaders of our Bhutanese church. We have a congregation that meets at the Colrain campus at 11 o'clock. They are all Nepali refugees that lived in Bhutan. They were kicked out by their government. They were part of the UN protection. And, and so they moved to Cincinnati. There's about twelve to 15,000 Bhutanese that live in greater Cincinnati. And we have a congregation that runs about 100, 150 of them. The pastor's name is Peter. A couple of the elders' names run and Santosh. And this past week, they called me on Monday and said one of their 23-year-old young people died. And, and you know, we, it's a... An older population are growing older, and so we've had death of older people, but a 23-year-old, man, rocked them. Yesterday was the, was the funeral for that, and we talked through uh, what they would say in Sandeep's funeral and how they would encourage others. But, y- you know, what I notice is there's a power in the Bhutanese church. There's a power as they worship Jesus. And the reason for it, I think a couple things are true. One is that they they devote themselves to fasting prayer every Friday. I mean the whole church comes together to pray on Friday and to pat and to fast. They, they realize it's not about their efforts, it's about more of Jesus in their lives, and they begin to reach others for Jesus among the Bhutanese community. Can, can I encourage you to start there? Because I find so many Christians who are exhausted today. And is there a way in a place where you can take five minutes, maybe once a week, where you just get quiet, and you listen to God, and you pray to Him, and you talk to Him, and sometimes He's quiet, doesn't say anything back. Other times He begins to impress you with what He wants to do in your life. Sometimes you may even hear a thought But regularly, taking five minutes. I would love for you to be able to do that daily, but for some of us, it's like as soon as the alarm goes off, our feet hit the ground, and we're going crazy all day. That's American. Americans believe it's all about effort. Paul says it's all about the Holy Spirit in your life. So are you listening? You know, for some of us, summer's way more busy even than the school year. Because we've got all these other things that are going on. You see, we're a living body, not a building. Sure, we're going to build something amazing north of Ross here in a couple years. But we're not a building. We're people. And it's what Jesus is doing in our midst that counts. And so we want to equip you and release you for ministry. That's what White Oak University is all about. You'll see a pamphlet coming out a little bit later in the summer, just different ways of training and equipping. Choose a spot. Where's God rattling your cage? And what do you need to be equipped in growing in? The second thing I see in Ephesians is in chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. Amazing passage of Scripture because around the culture at that point in time, it was about what are your efforts to reach God? And here's what Paul says about God. says, God saved you by His grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. What he's saying is that God reached out to you, not that you performed for Him. It says, salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. So we can do good things that He planned for us long ago. Can can I just stop you for a minute and realize that what we need more masterpieces? What we really need is more people to realize they're a masterpiece. And Paul teaches that every one of us is a masterpiece. So I want you to just turn to the person beside you and say, you are a masterpiece. Ready? Here you go. One, two, three. I need to hear that a little louder. Here we go. Say it to him again. You are a masterpiece. You know, we don't say that enough to each other. And that's exactly what Paul says here about us. We want you to investigate your masterpiece. What is God painting in your life? Your personal calling is a one-of-a-kind masterpiece on mission. You're unique. You're handcrafted by God. And it's that vessel for expressing the fullness of Jesus into every corner of culture and into every sphere of, it, of our society. I'm intrigued by worldly enterprises, and one that really gets me is Starbucks. One of my, one of my kids worked at Starbucks for a year and a half, two years while she was going through graduate school. And, you know, I knew they made coffee, but here's the truth. They they really make relationships more than they make coffee. The successful Starbucks franchises do that. She told me how she learned to see each person uniquely when they came in the door. Have you noticed how you're greeted every time you come in the door by somebody in that green apron? And, and she said, you have to be ready to craft their beverage almost as they walk in the door. Uh, that, that She learned names. And one of the reasons that people go back to Starbucks is because of that welcoming that takes place. Even if you're going through the drive-thru, they recognize your car, they recognize your voice. And, and, and that's the relationship. And I want that for you. I want that for you, that people here recognize that you are unique and that God has made you in a very unique way and He's calling out that giftedness in you. We'll disciple you to become like Christ and we'll develop you to discover and live out your calling. I want you to take a minute and imagine your masterpiece. What does it look like? Pick that program and write down a word or two that you think describes your masterpiece. Because too often we just simply say, oh, you know, I just show up for church. I just kind of go along. You are a masterpiece. What do you look like to God? And I think we have to start envisioning that. I think we have to start writing those kinds of words down so that it begins to happen. Throughout this fall and this summer, I'm going to encourage our staff to learn <coughs> excuse me—to learn how to help you to equip and be, discover your personal calling and deploying you into the best places possible. I love watching that happen. And so how can we help you in study, in equipping, and in serving? I, I remember just a few years ago <clears throat> that White Oak embraced the journey with WizKids, with City Gospel Mission, and we started it at uh, uh, Ann Weigel School, which isn't there anymore in Northwest, and in Struble. We soon came here to Elda and so forth. We've been involved in this for eight years, and there's an amazing story that's come out of that eight-year ver- uh, journey, particularly told by Kevin Wiesner. The 2019, here's what Kevin writes, the 2019 class marks the first full circle of students going through WizKids at White Oak and WizKids Unplugged, which is our middle school program. Uh, he writes this, he says, I'm honored to be able to tell you that not only did one of our original WK Unplugged students, that's our middle school tutoring, return this year to participate as a t- Tutor during his senior year of high school, but Jacob Colley graduated from Colerain High School magna cum laude. Magna cum laude, and in fourth grade, he's struggling with reading. He's struggling with what's arithmetic. He's struggling with those kinds of things. Not only does he graduate magna cum laude, but he's going to be attending University of Cincinnati in the fall in the College of Engineering. And that is amazing. Kevin goes on and writes, I've tutored and mentored Jacob since fourth grade and he's overcome things that statistically would have put him in a completely different spot. Jacob plans to return next year to continue work with the young guy that he tutored this year. Here he is tutoring a Whiz Kids young person now. That kind of story, we haven't been here in Ross long enough to have that story played all the way out, but that's the kinds of stories that will happen through WizKids when you sign up to be a part of that this fall. Maybe God's wired you to reach out to kids and spend an hour in just working through some of their homework, working through reading, working through some arithmetic. And maybe you're not good at either of those, but you're willing to sit beside somebody and help them become the masterpiece that God has intended them to be. This is an amazing story, and I love telling it every time that I think about it. He wants to give another kid the same chance he had to succeed. That's a masterpiece. And Kevin is the one who called the masterpiece out in Jacob. And White Oak is the church that called the masterpiece out in Kevin. We need more Jesus. We need more masterpieces. But Paul goes on and writes this in Ephesians 3. He says, I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources that he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make His home in your heart as you trust Him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how deep, how high is His love. May your experience—excuse me—may you experience the love of Christ through, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. You know, it just jumps out of the text. We need more love. More love. Do do you notice that? I mean, my goodness, how we need to marinate in the love of God. See, for many of us, even as Christians, we're really not sure God loves us. And so here in this passage in Ephesians, Paul is speaking to people who have been a part of the Roman Empire. And Rome is harsh. Harsh on people their God system was harsh on people and here Paul's saying no 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 God loves you his love for us his love in us it will overflow from you he takes away our guilt and our shame and he says I love you and only his love is the sufficient motivation for our mission so my question today is are you reflecting the love of God to others are you reflecting how much he cares for the world, When I learn how much Jesus loves me, I want to obey him. I, I don't do it to earn anything. I do it because it's an honor to join him in mission. And I love the new steps that Jesus takes with us in the ministry opportunities. So here's what I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you that you would learn to daily practice, maybe weekly practice annually practice rhythms of work and rest that keep you in sync with how god wired you how god designed you and, and and what we see in jesus because have you ever noticed as you're reading through the the new testament jesus never seems to be in a hurry he never seems to be overwhelmed this is god of the universe who's bringing a message that will change the entire world and there's never this overwhelmed hurriedness about jesus he doesn't burn out In three years of intense ministry recorded in the first four books of the New Testament, we don't see that. So here's what I want you to say to somebody every day, and we're going to practice it right here. So not only did you say you're a masterpiece, I want you to turn to the person beside you and say, you are loved by God, you are complete in Jesus. Got it? You are loved by God, you are complete in Jesus. Go ahead. And if you're sitting with family members, can I say to you, that should be a daily two sentences that you say to every person in your family. You are loved by God. You are complete in Jesus. And if it's your family member, you need to say, and I love you too. Because we live in a culture, right? I mean, we live in a culture that every minute there are snarky tweets and bullies and and the society wants to bash us every chance it gets. And sometimes we turn the home into that same battleground. Every motive is challenged. Every change is resisted. So realize now, trust in Jesus. You are loved by God. You are complete in Jesus. And you can begin to walk out in power and strength. Once you realize this, you begin to breathe deeply in the midst of the chaos and the calamity. People will look at you as you live, where you work, where you play, and say, well, how can you be so calm in the midst of the craziness? It's because you are loved, you are loved, and you're complete in Jesus. This is not some ki, surah, ra, kismet, karma, uh, what will be will be. No, 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 this is the real deal. It's a result of the overflow of your life from Jesus. Well, I need to move a little faster here. Because it's more than just resting and floating along. Paul says this in Ephesians 4:11 through 13. He says very simply, "Now these are the gifts God Christ gave to the church: the apostles, prophets, evangelists, and pastor-teachers. <coughs> excuse me, their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work, build up the church, the body of Christ." And this will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. And then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we'll speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of the church His body. There are a number of ideas being discussed in Christian circles about what it means to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, teachers, pastors. But the result is more missionaries, more people moving into the field and, and being involved. See, God designed the church to impact the world, and so each of us has a role in that mission. You and I are missionaries. We play that out. We pioneer places like West Africa and India we, we see people who are willing to speak into the systems of power and seek justice and critique mission drift and protect the marginalized. As, as a church, we are part of Life Forward Ministries and Women's Care Center and Sun Ministry and Col Rain and Food Pantries, and, and we stand with people who are in under-resourced situations. We proclaim the gospel. Did you realize the week after we did Summer Bible Camp that we had 51 new students at Rain, we had 43 new students here at Ross. I mean, that, that's amazing. 43 kids. I'm not talking about their whole family. You saw it if you came on that Sunday after our summer Bible camp. We registered 43 kids that had never been to a White Oak before here at Ross. That's the idea. And we see care and community and healthy relationships honored as well as clear teaching and strong values. That's what apostles, prophets, evangelists, and pastor teachers lead us to do. They equip us and challenge us to grow. And I'm encouraging our staff and our elders and our, and our teachers and our leaders to begin to lead us to develop in all of those areas. As Paul said, this leads each of us to maturity. And I love to watch how you reach into the community. And there's a whole lot of other stuff I'd love to say, but it's very simply, again... More Jesus, more masterpieces, more love, more missionaries. I got two more things, so hold on to your seats. Here we go fast. Ephesians 5. For once you were full of darkness, and now you have light from the Lord. So live as people of the light. For the light makes everything visible. This is why it said, Awake, O sleeper, rise up from the dead, and Christ will give you light. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. You see, Jesus has changed you. You can go boldly into any place that he's called you. And so I think of the fact that we need more mission fields. We have to take this idea that where I live, where I work, and where I play is a mission field because I'm a missionary. I'm loved by God. I am a masterpiece. And he, because I have more Jesus, I can walk into that situation. Sure, people may ridicule me and say crazy stuff, but the reality is you are strategically where you are today, placed there by God. You are not an accident. You are not a, oh, wow, look who's here. God puts you there on purpose, and we're to express the fullness of Jesus, where we work, where we study, where we play, where we live. You can do that uniquely. Here's the truth, though. In the midst of that, I realized that this week, I recognize that I cannot save people from the discomfort and sacrifice of a missionary lifestyle. And that's what every one of us has been called to. So we must equip you to count the cost, live in community, and care for your soul. We need that. I got, I got a message this week. The challenge of living in Mali, Burkina Faso, Ghana, Niger. There are people who want to kill missionaries. We have families that live in those areas that are missionaries. You know what? Where we live here, there are power and principalities that want to kill missionaries. There are things that are going to happen in your life that are going to be so discouraging and so challenging. And here's the reality. You have to be equipped to count the cost, to live in community and to care for your soul. And we do that together and we tell the stories. Last thing I have is this final word from ephesians chapter 6 it says this be strong in the lord and his mighty power put on all of god's armor so that you'll be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil for we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in heavenly place it's all about jesus you see it comes down to paul says be surrendered to jesus Let Him have your life. Let Him hold you strong because the enemy will do everything possible to thwart God's plan for more for you. He will not want you to flourish. But we're called to win the battle. And we do that by surrendering to Jesus and to His gospel. His good news is for all people, we put on this armor and we go walking out. Not not for our own good, but to stand against the evil and to stand for our community we will be misunderstood. We will be ridiculed. But we will do what God has called us to do because he called us for our community, for people, for common ground, for dreams, and for more. So here's how we do that. Very simply, it's more Jesus, more masterpieces, more love, more missionaries, more mission fields, and more surrender. And some of the ways that you'll do that this this week, I just have them out at the hub now we've created these little clings that say very simply on them that we are for ross we're for coleraine we're for cincinnati and you can learn how to put one of these on your car window by reading my little email because i have chris emmons who does this amazing demonstration and several of you are here testimony because that's exactly how you put a cling on your window you see, we're serious about it. And my, my thing is, this is one of those places where you get an opportunity to pay behind you, so you're going through a drive-thru, and you just say, I'm going to pay for that person's meal or that person's coffee. And they go, huh, for White Oak? Oh, I wonder what that's all about. And we start conversations. You have this on your car when you pass the policeman and you remind him, even when he pulls you over with a traffic ticket. Are you really for Rain? You're for Ross? You're for Cincinnati? But we identify ourselves as being for, not against. In just a minute, we're going to be taking the communion elements, and you'll see the bread and the juice up here in the front. You'll come forward during that time and take one of the pieces of bread and a cup of juice, and you'll be reminded that Jesus is for you, that he died for you. And then you can place the the empty cups in the glass container there. It's also a place and time when you can give your offering. It's an opportunity to say god i am for the mission of white oak christian church but before we do that as the band starts to play here in just a moment i want to pray for you i know last week nathan had us kneel and pray for our community but i think we have to pray for each other and i want to pray for you so if you're comfortable if you want to kneel where you are if you just want to sit where you are that's fine as well but i'm going to pray over you so would you please bow your heads you can kneel on the floor if you wish or you can just sit quietly Let me pray. Father, I just thank you for all who have gathered here today. I thank you for their love, for their lives. I thank you, Father, for the many places where you have them working and studying and playing. Those places, Lord, that you want to touch and change and bring life. And so, Lord, I pray for the empowering of the Holy Spirit. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would fill each person here. That that you would remind them of their call for those who are followers of Jesus. Father, for those who haven't yet made up their mind to follow Jesus, I pray for them to to just listen to the words, to read your book, to ask you to help them in their understanding. I pray, Lord, that all of us, as we get into life groups, as we talk with each other about what's happening in our lives, that we'll encourage each other to be everything that you've intended us to be. And Father, right now, as as we come to this table, We take this piece of bread that represents the broken body of Jesus, this cup of juice that reminds us of his blood. The Father, we have forgiveness because of what Jesus did. Because you are for us. And so, Lord, may we be for our community, for each other, for a common ground, and for more that you want to do in us. For it's in this mighty name of Jesus we pray. Amen.